Hello and welcome to the Aged Care Enrichment or ACE podcast brought to you by Silver Adventures. Every fortnight we invite aged care industry experts, thought leaders and passionate individuals to share their knowledge and experience with us as we examine ways to improve the quality of care and the quality of life for seniors. I'm your host Ash Deneef and today we're talking to Ilsa Hampton. Ilsa is the CEO of Meaningful Aging Australia a not-for-profit organisation that promotes holistic support for older adults, both in and out of aged care. Meaningful Aging Australia is primarily concerned with helping older adults capture meaning in their lives, and to look at the ways in which aged care services and workers can facilitate discovery and fostering of meaningful activities for each individual. They are often associated with the concept of spiritual care, which I know for some people carries a lot of preconceptions, But this episode starts with a really clear explanation from Ilsa about how spiritual care goes far beyond faith-based activities and needn't include them at all. In this conversation, we look at ways to better support care workers through their work. We talk about reinforcing individuality through ageing and consistent assignment. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ilsa Hampton. Thank you so much, Ilsa, for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Can we start with a bit about yourself and about Meaningful Ageing? Sure. So Meaningful Ageing Australia is a membership-based not-for-profit organisation and our members are organisations and groups that are supporting older people, so primarily aged care services, community and residential aged care services. A lot of them have retirement living as well. Our main work is evidence-informed practical resources to help organisations with holistic care. So we're all about meaning, purpose and connectedness in people's lives and then connection with some specific domains that we know are really important for building resilience, reducing anxiety and so on, and that's connection with self, connection with others, connection with creativity, connection with nature and connection with some sense of something bigger than ourselves or beyond ourselves. So for some people that has a name, it might be called God, um, some people the universe, um, but other people it's just some sense of something out there. Not everyone has um, that feeling, but quite a lot of people do. Um, so all of that can be bundled up into a word that not everyone is comfortable with, which is the word spirituality. So we're the peak body for spiritual care and ageing. People are often uncomfortable with the idea of spirituality because of the stories that they're carrying and that's quite understandable. So it might be because um, they've had their own experiences with institutionalised religion that has not treated them well. Um, It may be because they've heard and seen um, some stories about, I guess, the worst side of what can happen with institutionalised religion. On the other hand, There are people who are very comfortable with religion and faith and that is part of spirituality for those people. Um, So we've got quite an interesting situation in our society and, and this all applies within the context of aged care as well where we've got this really important part of life that helps people thrive and flourish and and really get some out of bed in the morning. Um, But we're not necessarily able to talk about it because of the varying perspectives, views and experiences on the concepts. Like once we can get past, I guess, the S word, we find that most people really do respond and connect and it makes sense. Um, They know how, how it fits into their life and they can start to imagine how it might be relevant for older people as well. Mm. Do you mainly focus on things within this umbrella of spirituality or, or are there other things as well that you're tackling? Spirituality is incredibly broad. 
So that is the lens through which we approach everything. Mm -hmm. But that then leads us into a, a very wide range of interests and conversations. So, for example, if you think about responding to and trying to understand and support someone's spirituality, that means you have to really understand and respond to them as a person first, not as a disease first or not as a task first. That then also feeds into, well, are we valuing the aged care workforce, for example? And so we might do work that's trying to reflect and enhance the feelings of significance that the aged care workforce might have. And also to pay attention, to be in deep relationship, that takes time. So that will then lead us into discussions about funding and actually service models and um, how it is that staff are given permission and equipped to be present and pay attention to older people in the way that, that everybody deserves. And then we've got other questions like, well, why is the system like this? What's the role of ageism in all that? So then we might start to try to speak back to ageism and the role that it plays in society. Um, so you can see how it's it's like a, a kind of web, you know, mm. that really does touch on almost everything. Can we talk about some of the programs that you have? What, what is the actual work that Meaningful Ageing is doing? Yeah, sure. So and I, I should have said as well, we also do do advocacy work, which you would have heard, I guess, that last answer picks up on, mm-hmm. a, on a lot of that. So in terms of the practical resources, which is most of what we do, we've got quite a wide range of resources that um, service providers can use. And then we also have a new arm called See Me, Know Me, which is materials specifically for older people and the people who love them, designed to help them connect with themselves and each other and, and people in their immediate networks. Um, in terms of the aged care resources, we have things like programs, like intergenerational reminiscence, which is a really beautiful program guide to being able to set up and run um, something that you could do with a secondary school where the students come in, they're matched with an older person, they meet regularly for a few months and really get to know each other. And then at the end of that time, the students create a memento of the older person's life and mm. it's presented back to them in a ritual. Their family are invited, other people are invited in. So there's a whole lot of things around that that we know are fantastic for um, spiritual, what we would call spiritual wellbeing in terms of that older person being given the chance to act as an elder, as you know, having a, a role as an older, wiser person, sort of dealing with ageism in that as well because the students don't even know they're carrying a whole lot of preconceived ideas about older people. So they're coming in and actually meeting real life older people and and in the evaluations it's been really clear when this program's been run that the students really appreciate that opportunity and they teach the older people a few things as well along the way it starts to create pathways as well potentially some of those younger people start to think about maybe working in aged care and we need people who are really passionate and connected who want to work in aged care and the chance for legacy, the chance to reflect, this always comes up really strongly as an important need as people age. And so this program, you know, attends to that. And that's just one example. You know, we could be here for a couple of hours. But, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. but I'll just give a couple of other just really quick examples. Mm-hmm. There's something called Connect2, which is a specific tool um, that's drawing on those domains I mentioned that's come through the published literature. But actually an Australian researcher, Julie Fletcher, did a PhD really looking at this question around, well, how do we really understand someone's spirituality in a way that staff can relate to it as well? Because we know that S word can be such a problem. And so um, as part of her PhD, she developed a really nice approach called Connect2 and we then 
uh, made a, an arrangement with her to adapt her work for use in aged care services. So we've got a really lovely training program and tool that ideally is a conversation that is had with older people really, really, really early on in their engagement with aged care services. My best case scenario is that it's before anything else almost, which is quite radical because most people want to do like all of the Centrelink forms and all of the enduring power of attorney and all of the, you know, clinical and the meds and whatever else, which is all really important and does have to be done. But my point is that, you know, aged care is fundamentally about people. It's about the older person and it's about the people that are supporting them. So for that to work, we need people to feel recognised. And for people to feel recognised, we have to talk with them about what matters to them, not in a procedural way, but actually genuinely engaging to understand. And the Connect2 tool picks up on those important domains of connectedness, so self, others, creativity and so on. And so by having that, it um, doesn't have to be an extensive conversation, but just a gentle early conversation. Like imagine that. You're so anxious. If you're engaging with aged care, it means that something hasn't been going the way that you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Nobody kind of makes a plan for their life that says, okay, at 75 or 85, I'm going to, you know, engage with aged care services. You know, people are doing everything they can to avoid engagement with aged care services. So it's, if you're at that point, it means you've got some vulnerability, you've got some particular needs, you need some support, and that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it does create inattentions and anxieties for people. So to take that person who's feeling potentially quite anxious and confronted, because it can also mean that, the realities of ageing are really smacking you in the face if your body's not doing what you, you know, had hoped that it would do. So you've got all this vulnerability and you're nervous, you know, how are they going to treat me? Because, of course, the uh, reputation of aged care, unfortunately, is quite poor in the in the broader community in terms of what we see, you know, through the media. Now, we know that there's a lot of wonderful and beautiful things that happen in aged care and that's what we're trying to bring to light but also multiply So you've got this person who's feeling a bit nervous and a bit anxious and maybe a little bit confused as we all are when we're engaging with a system. Imagine then the staff members coming in and they put aside the 50 million forms and they look the person in the eyes and they're saying, hi, you know, my name's Bess. I'm here to understand a bit more about what matters to you before we do anything else and then we'll go on to these other things. So I'm really interested in your important connections. Uh, You know, would you like to have that conversation with me? And if the person says yes, say, okay, um, Bob, can you you just have a think about nature? Is there something in nature that's really important for you? And he might go, oh, well, I don't know. So, well, it might be the mountains or a river or the ocean or your pot plants or, you know, something in the garden. Oh, actually, it's my roses. I just love spending time with my roses. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for telling me that. I'll make sure that we, you know, make a note of that and that informs some of what we do with you. You know, how connected are you feeling with your roses at the moment? Oh, no, you're not. I can't really get outside anymore because of, you know, da 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 And so you can see straight away it, it's, it's called technically it's a spiritual screening conversation. So what we're looking for are the important connections and how strong are they at the moment. And if that was the frame through which all those other conversations, like you can just imagine someone, you know, all that nervousness and all that anxiety, it would drop. It does drop. We know it drops if people get the chance to really connect. Hmm. 
and actually just pure science, which I'm no scientist, but uh, oxytocin's released. You know, when we've got a real connection happening, oxytocin. So it's actually just there's some chemistry as well. So these are the kinds of things that we want happening in aged care everywhere all the time, that we're starting with the person, we're connecting, we're understanding and we're responding. Fantastic. It, it sounds like very strongly through all these projects you're working on is the sense of self and that being crucial to understand for each individual who's receiving care. Uh, you also mentioned the See Me Know Me program, which I do want to come back to, but you, you touched on on supporting aged care workers to have these conversations. From from what you see, how is this happening in the industry at the moment? Is it, is it something that is easy to happen, that people are being supported to have conversations about spirituality and importance, or is this still a challenge that needs to be addressed? So the aged care workforce is mainly personal care workers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's you know there's, there's a range of different roles, uh, of course, in in aged care, but the seventy um, percent in residential care and eighty four percent in community aged care are personal care workers. So there's a significant challenge around how well they are equipped and supported to engage with people meaningfully. But the other thing that's important to say is that our expectations on on how different staff are engaging with older people does vary depending on their role. So someone in a personal care worker role wouldn't have the backgrounds and wouldn't be expected to have the kind of conversation that I was just giving the example Mm -hmm. of with Bess and Bob, I think they were called (laughs) So that would be someone in a uh, customer service or so-called, I'm not a fan of customer, but that's the language that's sort of around, you know, um, an engagement, you know, resident engagement role or an assessment role or a care manager type role. So they're people that usually have a tertiary qualification, you know, often public health related. So they have some broader background that they're bringing that they can then be trained, you know, without a too much difficulty if they can get past the kind of spirituality, religion, you know, what's it all about. Mm -hmm. With a bit of investment, they can be trained up to um, have those conversations. But the every, you know, it's no secret that there's no slack in the system. So Mm -hmm. the actual time that's needed, it's not funded. So holistic support is not funded. And so there are organisations that are doing amazing work and they're doing it despite the system, not because of it. Now, in terms of the majority workforce and your question around, you know, are are people supported to have these kind of conversations? So with personal carers, organisations are investing in relationship-centred care and have you heard of consistent assignment, Ashley? I have not, no. Yeah, so there's a really important move that's been going on for a little while but hopefully it'll get a bit more traction. Um, It's a little bit controversial so not everybody... I guess, is for it, including some of our members. So currently we've got about 110 organisations that we're working with. So they're not all kind of of one mind on everything. So it's important to acknowledge that. But the National Guidelines for Spiritual Care and Aged Care, which we were closely involved with and and promote as the benchmark, they do name consistent assignment as one of the things that organisations should be doing if they really want to enable holistic support to the extent that we're just, you know, the way that we're talking about it. So consistent assignment is where a small group of personal carers are working with one older person. So the the rostering is completely changed so that that older person only has to um, regularly see, you know, one small group of carers rather than having an army of people coming in and out of their life and in particular around 
intimate care, so showering and things like that. It's a really good benchmark. And if anyone is working in aged care or looking for an aged care service is to do an audit on how many different individuals are showering someone over a four or six week period. And I think a really good way to get real, I guess, about about dealing with that data is to ask yourself if you needed support showering, how many different people would you be comfortable having helping you? Yeah. Because I, I feel really nervous about the idea of one stranger. Now, the point is that with consistent assignment, they change. They're, they're not strangers anymore because you build a genuine relationship. So that model straight away gives that personal carer a chance to have a genuine conversation and to recognise someone for who they are and for the personal carer to be recognised because that's also, you know, as I said about the workforce, like you're right, it's about self but it is all about relationship. It's about those webs of relationship that we all need to survive and actually thrive in life, to love and be loved and to be of service. So for the personal carer to go from, you know, someone who's, thinks that what they need to do is a series of tasks like showers or feeds or, you know, like that's that's one of the worst things that can that can happen because it dehumanises obviously the older person but it also dehumanises the personal carer. So consistent assignment completely changes that dynamic. So it puts it into a, a relational framework. Uh, recently I was talking to someone who's a leader in this area and she told me this amazing story which to me was a, um, it's a, well, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's um, it's a model, like it, it's a vision, like this is a true story, mm. but it's a vision for this is what should be happening in aged care around Australia and, and the world. And what happened was it was in an, a context where they're using consistent assignment and the older person died and the family member said to the organisation, let me ring the carer. They will be so upset. I want to be the one to tell them. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So for that web, you know, to be that bonded and, and it's, it's deep, profound respect, you know, and honouring of everyone. People say, oh, we don't want them to get attached. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like what? <laughs> what's the alternative? And, you know, and the alternative is unfortunately what's happening in some places with de- completely detached where people are just reduced to their symptoms or their functional kind of tasky things that, that they need support with. And all of that functional stuff and symptoms, it's all important. Absolutely it's important. But just... It, um, the, the system should not be led by that. You know, it, it has to be led by the person and those other things are, 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 you know, the reason why they're needing support or whatever else. But if it's not viewed through the lens of relationship and what we really know about what really animates that person from a very deep level, it will always be too thin. And, you know, why have we got something like 50% of people in residential care depressed? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do we really not know the answer to that? And the answer, you know, the, the response is not medication and it's not uh, I really value really good um, psychological support services, but that the answer is not to truck in psychologists. Yes, people, you know, with serious mental health concerns, et cetera, they need access to psychologists, but 
but we can't, you know, it's just it, we have to deal with these systemic um, issues. So there's the models, you know, and what they're being set up for, and then there's also, of course, their own capability, which is something that we're really passionate about is that personal carers are given the opportunity to actually develop the skills that they need for the actual work not just for, they do need some technical knowledge around, you know, manual handling or food safety, you know, absolutely they need that. But that's not the heart of the work. Mm. And the, the current qualification, which they're not even required to have, is not, you know, it's it's thin. They Actually what they need is a formation process because what they're being asked to do is so profound. Like the the work of a personal carer, most of us wouldn't be able to do it you know, it's it's complex, it's physically demanding. Just think about any relationships, you know, people, people are wonderful and people are really difficult as well. So any, you know, to get any relationship in, in your own life really functioning well, just think about, you know, what you need to bring to that, um, what you're expecting of the other person. You know, there's a whole kind of dance that goes on and personal carers generally aren't given the chance to really reflect and and get some um, sense of depth even in terms of what they've got to draw on, you know, themselves day to day, as well as then how to process what's happening in that space between them and the older person. So one innovation that we've been working on to help actually try to speak into this space, we've got a few little resources that organisations can use with personal carers, but we've invested a lot of energy over the last few years in um, developing a digital solution because personal carers also often work in you know multiple locations although I know with COVID that there's been serious attempts to to keep that to one one location we'll see what happens in the in the future but also community care where they're going house to house so they're in community care they may never be brought together as a group so even in terms of that again professional development and team because the funding just isn't there some organizations Mm. find a way to do it which is brilliant and congratulations to them but generally they're quite dispersed they're part-time often they're from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and and there's many many thousands of people in these roles so we could see, you know, this huge challenge for aged care services to be able to reach the majority of their workforce with some of these really important key messages. So we've worked, as I said, for a few years on a project which is just coming to fruition this year. It's called Meet Akira. So um, it looks and feels like an app, but it's actually a standalone website, but you just access it, you know, through a unique link and it takes a personal carer on a journey so it's a, it's a kind of interactive learning journey, um, but it's not didactic or, you know, book learning. It's, it's the story of Akira who is a personal carer and it's showing her going about her day and a few things don't go all that well because she's not attending to the relational space. She's busy focused on, on the other aspect of her job, which is the task side. And then in the story, she gets some feedback. So she, well, she starts to feel the effects of kind of missing the boat with people and actually the third client is just a really cranky person, which does happen. In fact, so we've co-designed this with personal carers and they're going, oh, my gosh, like this is exactly my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so she starts to become personally affected by this sort of slightly mishaps, but the more there are, the worse worse it goes for the older person and for the carer. And then she talks to a colleague who invites her 
And she's like, what can I do? I've just had such a bad day. And, the, and her colleague's saying, well, you know, sometimes I think about how my clients might have felt if I've, you know, had a bad day, which is a really important piece of reflective practice, which personal carers may never have been taught. So in the story, um, we see her pause and actually, you know, she's having a cup of tea and just sitting at home on her couch and just reflecting on, well, how, how did the clients feel? And we, we see her get feedback from the clients and she starts to get in touch with might have been what might have been happening for them when she missed the relational opportunities and pressed on with the tasks. And then we see her the next day go back to the same clients and she's given a chance to connect with the heart. So there's a little interactive thing where, you, where you're clicking on, on her heart and on their heart. And, you know, there's this just this slight pause where she can adjust her approach and move into the relational space rather than going over the top of the person, hmm. which is, I mean, it's a life skill that we all need and, it, and it's part of emotional intelligence, but it's absolutely core to spiritual care and spiritual support. So this is what spiritual support looks like within that role. It's about paying attention and being available and having a real relationship. Personal carers aren't expected to have a long exploration with people about the meaning of life or, you know, all of that, mm. um, or do spiritual assessments or, um, or even, you know, be experts in world religion or whatever it is. During the story, we see her pause and find a, a way to connect and then she gets feedback from them you know, when she's like, well, how did that go? You know, and we get, and they reaffirm the things that were positive for them in what she did on the second day. And then there's some kind of further learning. But the Medicare, the process of development, we also had some academics and some service providers involved um, and some older people. But the engagement with the personal carers around um, this little learning journey has, it was just blew me away how positive they were about it and how helpful they found it. And I think like they're just, they're thirsty to learn, you know. That's we've done some other projects with personal carers, and I think they're actually there's a lot of untapped kind of passion and energy. Most of them are in this work because they really love older people and they mm. want to make a difference. So yeah, that that's just another example. Yeah, fantastic. That's meet a carer, is it? Meet a carer. Yeah. Where can people access that? So it will be launched um, at our AGM on the 16th of November and then it'll be available through our website. Awesome. One of the things that keeps coming up um, a lot in the conversations we're having for this podcast is the idea of things that we know to be very valuable and intrinsic to a healthy, happy life outside of aged care are the things that are often missing inside of aged care. And a lot of what you were saying then seemed to speak to this idea of just reconnecting with with what is being lost in the process and, and trying to redesign the process so that things like relationship become can become front and centre and, and a, a perspective on what is important to each individual. It's fascinating for me to have multiple conversations and have these same themes come up. And So thank you for, for bringing that up. Can we talk about See Me, Know Me now? Yeah. So See Me, Know Me um, was launched last year. It's been a big, big 18 months. I'm like, was it only last year? And the idea behind that was wanting older people to feel more valued because we could see when we're looking at the strategic challenges that we've got in terms of having an aged care system that's really a place where people can't wait to work because it's so valued and so great and so many wonderful things happening, which, of course, as I said, there are, um, but that's not the reputation. So, um, and we know, you know, there are some unfortunate exceptions, of course, as well. So we want to get rid of those. 
and, and make it generally really positive. So, so we, and then we've got the, the huge issue of ageism. So how can we make a, a positive contribution into that space rather than so previously we were really dealing with service providers and, you know, their, their teams. We were saying, okay, what about older people in the general community? So see me, know me, wanting older people to feel more valued. And actually part of the original intent was also empowering people to have some tricky questions they can ask service providers. Because whilst we've got expectations around holistic wellbeing in the aged care quality standards, which is really fantastic and that's only come into effect in the middle of last year, a piece of the puzzle was we need older people and their families to expect that aged care services will respond to them holistically, will understand them as a whole person, you know, all the things I've been talking about. Because if we can get community demand happening um, and we've got some regulation happening, then that would help to transform the system. Mm. We also need the funding, which is another stream. <laughs> um, so that was part of the idea behind See Me Know Me, was that kind of empowering or equipping people to be able to ask some hard questions of aged care. Now, in the process of developing See Me Know Me, when we started engaging with older people, we also found that a number of them were responding to uh, some of the, we, we were developing posters. You can see, I know this is a podcast, the so listeners won't be able to see, but you can see one of the posters behind me there. Mm-hmm. So we had these posters with a really strong image, of, you know, a really nice, strong image of an older person, all sorts of different backgrounds with the words, see me, know me, and then 10 statements about them of varying depth. So, and this is also something really important about our work is we're trying to add some depth. What we found when we started, you know, engaging with people around the whole idea of see me, know me, and is this something that, does it resonate with you? We got really, really positive feedback and we also found this gap. So people saying, well, my family wouldn't even, I don't even have these conversations with my family. So it was, you know, and people also hate thinking and talking about aged care. That's that's another thing. So we found that if we went to some, um, seniors festivals and people were really intrigued by the posters and the statements and see me know me and they're like oh yeah and then they'd read the word aged care and they would literally step backwards yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> oh this has nothing to do with me and so well you may one day you might know someone who might need some aged care mm. <laughs> so um having kind of found this this need to be recognized not just by aged care services but actually in their own families we flexed, you know, some of what we were doing. So we kept the aged care kind of component, but we also started to do more work around creating materials to help people uh, reflect on themselves. Again, it's that self-awareness piece, which I actually do see as empowerment. I think, you know, the more that you know yourself and what matters to you, then the more you're able to speak for yourself and describe what, you know, you need and not just chicken or beef, but actually, again, trying to get down to some depth. Mm. So we, we started to produce templates and, and other things using the see me know me approach with a des- design for um, self-awareness and also people to connect with each other and we were able to get uh, some funding so I, I was talking to the minister for aged care as part of our advocacy work and he got really interested in what we were doing with see me know me and we we're really fortunate that we got a big contract to massively expand our activities so we made a bunch of videos 
we increased all of the kind of printed materials, things that we were able to give out for free. And we even have these really cute little conversation cards um, in something called a sharing mini, mm-hmm. which is little envelope sized thing that invites someone to sit down, have a cup of tea with an older person. You know, you might be, you might do it with your best friend if you're an older person, or you might do it with a neighbour. Or and, and of course, what we found is that aged care services loved all of this stuff as well, because the really good aged care services respond when there's an opportunity to help them connect with people. But they were designed um, for the general the general community. So we've been mailing out. We did some newspaper advertising. We did some theatre events. We did some high teas. We did the high teas. We heavily subsidised them using some of the government funding. So like five dollars a ticket at nice hotels. It was a proper high tea experience as part of some seniors festivals in Melbourne and um, Hobart and Adelaide and Sydney. And we invited. It was a Simi Nomi event. But what we did was we had people in small tables, so four or six, and we we're encouraging them, like, bring a friend or come on your own. It's going to be okay. We got some support from some of our members. There is a particular role called uh, spiritual care practitioner, which are people who specialise in helping people have these sort of conversations, very open-ended, very, you know, gracious space. Um, so some of them volunteered their staff to come and help um, just to keep an eye on people in case they got a bit stuck. Mm-hmm. And we had the see me, know me conversation cards at the tables and we encouraged people to use the cards to talk. And this, the feedback was amazing. People were was so surprised. People saying, I didn't even know I could talk like this, Mm. you know, and again, it's about that depth. So people were sharing, you know, things. Some people were sharing things with total strangers, which sometimes we feel we can be more honest actually with total strangers rather than necessarily our family, all learning things about each other. Um, And then they were all given the little kits to take away and and some other things to help kind of keep the conversation going. Unfortunately, that that was a government contract and we weren't able to get more money to do that again this year, although it would have been pretty diabolical trying to do it in the middle of the pandemic. So maybe it was good that we <laughs> yeah. didn't, uh, weren't able to do that because they were saying, oh, I'll be back next year. I'm going to bring people next year. You know, they just, it blew their minds. It was so much fun. And and memorably, someone did say in their evaluation, you took the spook out of spiritual, mm. uh, which I loved. So that was the original Simi Nomi. And then we got such a strong positive response to the whole idea of Simi Nomi. We wanted to um, see if we could do something else under that umbrella. Now, See Me Nomi has its own website, which is where people can order those free materials or download things, seemenomi.org.au. And so we've got uh, another project which is just coming to fruition that had been on the boil with us for some time and it's using a specific framework called the Map of Meaning. So we had published uh, in partnership with a woman in New Zealand called Lani Morris, a guide for aged care services using this framework, the map of meaning. So we could see that it was a really useful way. It complemented a lot of our other resources, but also added, you know, added some different dimensions for service providers to really understand the role of meaning and give them a way to evaluate what they were doing through that lens of meaning. So we had published a service provider handbook, but we had another piece of work ticking away, which was a self-reflection guide, so using the same framework but a self-reflection guide for older people to use themselves and or if someone was running, you know, a small group in the community, something like that. So very much fitting under the see me, know me umbrella. So we um, worked with some older people on... Well, Lani did a whole lot of engagements with, you know, playing with the framework with older people and she wrote a whole lot of content and then I picked that up with my team at Meaningful Ageing and we worked with some older people around a physical what would you want 
a physical book to be like if it was something like this, you know, to, for reflection on yourself and life and, you know, meaning potentially to share with, you know, a trusted other person. What, what should it be like? And they said, we want it spiral bound. We want a firm mm. cover so you can sit up in bed and, you know, just flip it back and have a bit of, you know, we need space to write. Don't put lines on. I don't want lines. Lines are too, you know, restrictive. Keep it open spaces, you know. I like check boxes. I like this. I like that. So we took all of that in uh, on board and designed the Map of Meaning and Ageing Self-Reflection Guides and then we printed some prototypes and sent them out to the older people. We did a Zoom call with them. They weren't allowed to open. Oh, we asked them not to open them um, until we were on the call with them so that we could physically see them the very first time they laid their eyes on the prototype to see what they did <laughs> and, um, you know, encourage them to just be honest in terms of their, you know, facial expressions and, and whatever else that they didn't have to try to appear polite or something mm-hmm. and got them to, you know, have a good, look around at the resource as part of that first exposure and then they sat with it for a couple of weeks and actually worked through it and then we met with them again as a group and said you know what do you reckon like what needs to change what bits should be moved around whatever and I had my heart in my mouth that meeting I was looking forward to it but I was really nervous because you know when you've put something out there and they just loved it they found it really helpful and again I think they were quite surprised at the places that it took them within themselves and they really could see its value as something to connect with others as well and saying, you know, I really want to share the things that I'm finding out about my own ageing and, you know, what matters to me and where I find meaning. Now, we were talking about spirituality earlier, Ashley, and actually this resource, um, this little book doesn't mention spirituality, that the S word, anywhere. Mm. So we've, we've tried to create more possibilities for more people to feel more comfortable engaging with it. I've met a lot of people over the years that love what we're doing and have just said, can't you just get rid of that word? <laughs> it really makes some people so uncomfortable. So we have gotten rid of that word, if you like. Um, so the, the idea, you know, meaning is central to spirituality, mm. um, but we haven't made that point explicit in this book because we didn't need to. So it's safe in terms of if people just really cannot stand that word, it's just too triggering or whatever else. The Map of Meaning and Ageing, a self-reflection guide, it invites people into a beautiful exploratory process. It assumes nothing about people's beliefs or backgrounds or gender identity or cultural back or whatever, you know, it's a very open process that really meets you where you are and encourages you to know yourself. And it's at the printers um, and it'll be sent out uh, in October. Fantastic. And uh, I haven't uh, I haven't looked at the, the map of meaning uh, resources yet, but I did have a look at the see me, know me stuff. And, and already I can, I can feel that um, the conversations I'm having with my Omar, for example, have, have changed a little bit to be much more about, you know, who she is and what, what she values and, and trying to dig down into that sort of territory. Also, we've covered so much and I still have so many more questions, but we're probably very close to out of time. Is there anything you want to talk about before we, we leave it there for today? <laughs> I'm so happy you told me uh, that you've looked at See Me Know Me, Ashley. That's great. Um, I I should say with the um, Map of Meaning and Ageing Self-Reflection Guide that it will be, it's available now to be ordered from our service provider website, which is meaningfulaging.org.au. We're getting organised to make it available through the See Me Know Me website as well. So that's seemenomi.org.au. Anything else? I just wanted to thank you really um, for, you know, inviting me to share and for what 
you're doing with everyone that you're inviting, all of the guests and all of the listeners, because I really think it is about collaboration and connection, I guess, in keeping with what I've been saying. You know, it's, you know, the people in aged care are, um, you know, absolutely the front line, as they say. But there's also, in terms of the web, you know, of our relationships, I think, you know, we can all work together, connect and collaborate to help aged care get where it needs to go. You know, the, the system will have so much better chance of success if it's not left. Like, I feel like some of what happens with with aged care and the way it's dealt with in our society is that it's a lot of finger pointing and kind of them over there. Whereas actually the story of ageing in Australia, it's all of our stories. Mm. I mean, if you're over 30, you're ageing and certainly we all have mothers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles. And then the story of aged care is the story of what kind of a society we are. And so it really is about all of us working together to realise that vision for meaning, purpose and connectedness as people age. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Elsa. Pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Aged Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit our website at www.silveradventures.com.au. That's S-I-L-V-R Adventures. And of course, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss out on the next one. My name's Ashton Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.